Hello to today's podcast from Mark and Mark on pharmaceutical contamination monitoring. This is Mark Mahauer with 25 years of experience in aseptic fill finish equipment, and I'm together with... Hello, my name is Mark Horwath with over 25 years of delivering solutions for contamination monitoring. Today we look at systems which are installed in a septic filling line. So Mark, we talked about the particle path, we talked about the microbial path in the last couple of sessions. Um, now it's up to a system to start and stop and collect data from those devices. Uh, there's many different systems out there. BMS is offering a centralized and a decentralized vacuum. Can you explain a little bit around the two systems and what you think about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so once the sensors are being positioned, Mark, and that was what we've been talking about, whether they be the, the microbial sample heads or the particle counters with the tubing that runs into the isolator environments, once that's been done, we've now got what is essentially a blind sensor. And the sample draw has to come from somewhere. And that's where we talk about, you know, what what type of vacuum system or pumping system do we want for the sample to be pulled through those tubes or to be pulled onto the impactor? Uh, the, a centralized one, which is a classic, really, you know, that, that's where most of our original systems originated from. And it's where you have a single vacuum system that comprises of one or two vacuum pumps. Uh, the reason we would use two vacuum pumps really is more as a duty standby, you know, a lead lag system such that if one needs to be taken down for maintenance or repair, then it can be done so without losing the integrity of vacuum to the overall system. So those two vacuums are mounted in a technical space up in the mezzanine, outside in a shed, uh, somewhere where you know, a dirty carbon vein or, or oil vacuum system can be installed. And they're relatively large pieces of equipment, much bigger than the particle counter itself. But they'll run multiple sensors. So the bigger the system, the more sensors you have on the system, the bigger the vacuum pump that's required. And that's then installed via a manifold and a series of individual tubes to each sample location and the the manifold is either installed to the central distribution port you know our facility pro that then distributes that vacuum down individual lines and those lines are controlled for flow or it's sent to a header that runs throughout the facility with individual drops and individual controls installed onto it so it allows for just that single vacuum tube to be sent down to the point of where the sensor is installed. <clears throat> so it's relatively easy and we don't have to worry about bends and lengths so much with the sample tube, with the vacuum tubes, because all that's moving through there is exhaust air. So the, the critical bend radii or diameter doesn't really matter providing sufficient flow and vacuum be provided the sensors that we have are controlled using a critical orifice so or a critical venturi in the case of the air net 
And that's a, a device that uses upstream pressure to manage flow rate across that orifice port. So it's a volume and pressure. So it can't just be, I've got this one CFM vacuum pump and that should be enough. It has to be one CFM, one cubic foot per minute, the flow rate of the instrument at 15 or 12 or 17 inches of mercury, depending on what sensor you've uh, you've chosen to install. So that um, that means that all of the air handling is done somewhere remote. The exhaust is remote, and that can be a really useful thing in a in a you know relatively large facility. It's one point of installation for a mechanical device. It's one point of maintenance for the entire system's vacuum. And so there's some real advantages in in having a centralized vacuum system. Uh, the decentralized is where each and every sample point has its own internal vacuum pump. So, for instance, the ISOAIR Pro, the Minicapped Remote, has an integrated vacuum pump and controller. So that will guarantee flow at that particular sensor, but only for that one single sample point. Now, the advantage here is, of course, you can turn sensors on and off. The overall infrastructure required is a lot less um, because you're not running vacuum tubes down into you know what is potentially a, a you know a difficult area to run vacuum tubes down into and also when it comes to isolators there's no return air so if what you're trying to do is um, is build a control loop where for cytotoxic or, or harmful products for instance that air that's being exhausted needs to be returned to the air handler, then you can do that with a decentralized system. And it, you you can't really do that with a centralized vacuum system because all the exhausts are exhausted to a common point. Uh, so decentralized individual vacuum pumps, centralized one large vacuum system. Or you know, obviously there's a hybrid. So you put the background particle counters or the less critical devices on a central system. And then either the ones that are too far away to deliver sufficient vacuum can be, you know, have their own internal pump or those that need to have the air returned to the air handler can be on their own vacuum pump. So that pretty much, you know, lays out the, 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 the differences between the two. All right. This is a big package to swallow first, but um, let's uh, put it in small pieces. So we have a centralized vacuum where we have small particle counters. They can fit almost anywhere below into a machine right there where they need to be in the one meter distance of hose without uh, uh, bends and so on. I think this is one of the biggest advantages for the uh, filling line manufacturers because they never have space underneath the filling line so typically this is what we see most it is yeah yeah and you know the, the the small footprint means they don't you know it the you don't have to worry about the gases from within the isolator passing through a filter and through the actual vacuum pump itself whilst it's in a relatively hazardous area so the optics can be designed more effectively uh, or the overall components within that sensor can be designed 
more for the purpose than you know than, than might be the case okay so um but we can still go to a central vacuum pump and take that exhaust air and come back into an isolator on top of a filter maybe we exa uh, the exhaust has to be filtered again uh, before it goes into the isolator for uh leftover particles from the process you, but we could, could go back with h2o2 into that system right you can uh, but you you'd want to isolate that out somehow because otherwise if you had say a system of eight sensors or or larger and only four of them were in the isolator then the return air would be all eight sensors so you might only be taking four cfm out of the chamber but you'll be pumping eight cfm into the chamber and yeah, so yeah. providing that overpressure doesn't affect the air handling unit yeah not a problem yeah, and we would never go right back into the chamber. We would go on top of the plenum somewhere, on top of the filters yeah. where it's mixed with incoming air. So I see your point, um, but it has to be filtered anyway. We don't want to go into the sterile area. Yeah, and we, we um, filter it even into the technical spaces, though, Mark, to be honest. So, you know, you just uh, you choose a more uh, more appropriate filter for returning it into the plenum. So the centralized vacuum for the microbial is very interesting because now all the valves and everything, the flow meter and so on, is inside the electrical cabinet or the cabinet, not, I don't want to call it electrical cabinet, it's like a IT cabinet. Um, and you don't need anything below the machine. You don't need any vacuum pumps, sensors and so on. No valves, nothing. That makes it very, very small uh, indeed underneath the filling line, right? Yeah, it's really clean. You know, when you look under there, you can barely tell. And again, it's vacuum. So you can use, you know, pretty tight radius bends and, um, uh, you know, have a really clean installation within the technical space. All right. So that would leave us uh, to maybe some moving carts, lyo carts, uh, automatic loading systems and so on, where we cannot easily have a cable dragging around or um, a hose going along. Here, I think the, the decentralized vacuum would be very helpful because you have one battery inside the system and then you connect it to a remote particle counter um, with its own vacuum source and then you have it much easier in a cart like that, right? It is, yeah. So the, the vacuum is right there inherent within you know, the instrumentation and therefore the solution, but the um, data communications is wireless as well. So you can have continuous data as you push either the LIO loader along its track or the clean room cart from one room to another, providing you've got the receivers in the roof space that can receive that wireless signal, you get a continuation of data um, whilst ever you know that critical process is uh, is being performed. Yeah, I can see that. So um, the Lyo card is actually no problem because a lot of people have a, a idea or the wrong idea that they cannot measure in there. But it uh, it doesn't seem to be a problem to measure particles in there, microbials anyway, because uh, we have the same situation with the vacuum, and the measurement is done on the agar plate. Um, so I think this this covers the filling line, then uh, maybe you have an installation around the filling line where you have a room where you don't want to 
pull wires to or pull vacuum to, then it also makes sense to have the decentralized vacuum um, inside an air. Uh, yeah, the power. hybrid systems that we see, Mark, are for the odd location, you know, the one that doesn't quite fit with the rest of the system that needs doing. The, the, the classic really is the sterility test isolator. You know, it's nowhere near the production environment, but it's really valuable and important information. So within that sterility test isolator, you have a particle counter and a microbial sampler. It's an isolator, um, but it's off at the lab somewhere. You know, it, it's a, at a remote location. And, uh, and that's where that data can be hooked up to the central system uh, singly by, you know, the network. It can be on a different domain and that data is sent TCP IP, you know, secure Ethernet data packeting from one area across a gateway or a bridge to another. That is so a good point. All, you know, it's all very easy to integrate. So you see that the data from a sterility test isolator goes into the same data for batch release and so on uh, as the production isolator data goes? Sometimes, yeah. It's all considered environmental, critical yeah. environmental data. So if you've invested in a critical environmental monitoring system, adding, you know, some remote tasks and some remote locations into that is very straightforward. Yeah. And it actually, it's an advantage of our system, I guess, because uh, it's not so easy if you have a pre-written software and you have to... Uh, uh, validate it, and then uh, you uh, have to add some sensors or a sterility test isolator. And in our case, we have the module software where you just expand on it and you yeah. just take in that sterility test isolator. Or, or, you know, you plug a portable into that remote location and download the data. But this this gives you that, you know, now we're talking about data integrity and you've, uh, you know, the investment that's made in the data integrity of your monitoring system can be carried over. There's no transposition of data. There's no thermal paper for what is essentially a critical release event. And um, so that's why it, it becomes, you know, really useful add-on to the, the central environmental monitoring or contamination monitoring system. Do we see any difference in a RAPS? Um, no isolator machine. Do we have to do something different there? I mean, we have no H2O2. Uh, we have a B uh, room surrounding instead of a C room, but I guess it's all uh, coming to the, the same way. Point. Yeah, the way in which we install the systems pretty much the same. Well, one of the advantages of a RABS is that um, where locations can be tricky to reach, you can always use the space below the you know the window where the air will come out, those return air ducts or those exhaust ducts for the chamber, we can use those to sneak tubes through to reach some areas where we don't need to penetrate the base plate and the sensor can be mounted on the outside of the technical space and not inside. But your choice of vacuum stays the same. You know, it. Uh, the, the, the one difference would be that now you have uh, an electronic instrument that's exposed to the routine cleaning and everything else that takes place. So consideration around what you do about the enclosure of that instrument just takes a little bit of looking at. But again, you know, within a stainless steel enclosure, we should be fine with the cleaning 
routines that um, that are required for RABs that are much lower for an isolator where, you know, that it's a grade C activity or technical activity. So you don't need to do the exterior cleaning as um, as thoroughly for an isolator for the instrumentation as you would do for a RABS. RABS is essentially an open hard wall fill process with, you know, the the advantage of not having to fingerprint and, and do the intervention requirements every time you put your hand in to change a plate or to take a sample to make, you know, a, a modification within the filler. So uh, there there are advantages to RABS, but from a from a monitoring perspective, it's very similar to the classic hard wall type systems that we used to see. Okay, and uh, exhausting the air underneath the machine is also not a good idea, I guess, in the wraps because we are in the clean room B area. And um, uh, I mean, the air comes out exhausted, filtered uh, with a HEPA filter. It's clean, but we are creating an an, an air pressure, air blow, and so on. Uh, so it might be still best to route it away from the area, right? Yeah, it's in, and it, uh, I suspect that one of the other considerations that gets missed is that the exhaust air is coming out at 28.3 liters per minute through a very small, you know, one centimeter port, and that will create a certain amount of turbulence at a low level. Now it's low, it's, it's in the return air handling system of the overall HVAC, but you're creating that turbulence that might stir up any sedimented particles that might fall into the floor within that grade B. And if somebody was to walk through that stirred up air that stirs it yet further, um, it's just another risk point that um, has to be considered. Is it, a, is it a bad, the air coming out of the instrument is probably cleaner than the air going into the instrument because it has those 0.3 micron filters. So I'm not worried so much about the air that's coming out, but what that air does relative to you know, the airflow patterns within the room. And we all do, you know, kind of airflow visualization within the critical spaces, but we don't normally do airflow visualizations outside of those areas. And that's um, that's one of the things that uh, that's up for consideration. All right. So do you have anything else you want to mention about systems inside the septic filling lines? No, we've we've looked at the vacuum side of things, which is you know the most critical, and then there's the data. Now, obviously, the data is um, you know critical data. It's it's transferred via TCP/IP. That's an Ethernet protocol that has you know a point-to-point -point aspect about it. So the sensor sends the data to a known location, and that's why we use fixed IPs so that when you're thinking about designing these systems also think about whether or not you want your environmental monitoring system to exist on its own segment of your network and uh, and that's probably the you know the, the single aspect of what do we do with the instrument inside these areas and the the advantage of that single fixed ip means that you can remote access it should you need to diagnose any issues on board and, and this type of thing. But that's vacuum it. vacuum and data, that's all they need. Yeah, and the data is a good preview for the next session when we talk about the data and the different systems, how they collect data. Um, I think we break it up here for today. 
Thank you, Mark, for your valuable insights, as always. No problem. We'll and, uh, uh, see you next time, Mark. Take thank care. Thank you. For the listeners, you can email us at info at pmeasuring.com. Come to our website at pmeasuring.com to our knowledge base um, or reach your local salesperson. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.